You are listening to the Next Play Podcast, the playbook for high-performing leaders who want to exceed their full potential. From walking on the Ole Miss football team at 5'7", 150 pounds and earning a full D1 scholarship to coaching thousands around the world and working with massive organizations like IBM, I've learned countless lessons that I'll be sharing right here with you. Join me as I interview some of the most successful people so you too can learn how to focus on always moving forward by deciding, planning, and executing on the next play relentlessly. What's going on? This is Richie Contartesi with the Next Play Podcast. And today we have a very special guest, somebody who has worked his way up, not only the corporate ladder, but also in Altstate, being one of the largest Allstate insurance agencies in the country, over $26 million in reoccurring annual premium, five offices, 20 employees, has managed sales teams since 2012. And on top of all of that, he's a huge car nerd. So Corey... Rickman, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, really appreciate having you. Nice to, ha- nice to be here, Richie. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. I feel like someone like you is going to bring so much value around agencies and being an owner and agents and improving sales, improving performance of the people on your team. So, Corey, I just want to start r- real quick from the beginning. How did you go from leading sales teams, right? You've been in sale, you've been an account manager, a sales manager, a director. Um, how did you work your way up into sales leadership? It all, I've always been business minded, you know, as a kid would knock on doors to wash cars and all that stuff. So it's always been at the root of who I am. Um, I went to college, uh, came out with a business degree and, and started working my first job was on the phone, just telemarketing, investment services. Um, and so I eventually, I, I got to see what the income potential is in sales uh, and in marketing. And so slowly I worked my way up, got promoted, did well, um, and just always saw sales as like the, the, the best kind of career because it's yeah. untapped. So okay. Wait, okay. Like, like just the fact that it's infinite money-making opportunity. For sure. For sure. Love that. Okay, cool. So, um, why, why, why did you go from, or how did you go from, you know, being a sales director of one company to opening your own insurance agency? It's, it's, my wife was an Allstate agent before I was, and I fought it tooth and nail I didn't want to be in insurance quite yet. I was I was doing well in corporate America, working my way up, making good money. Um, but there was a little bit of writing on the wall in, in okay. corporate America. You know, every time I would join a company, a bigger company sometimes than the, than the previous, um, and I, I was like, one day I want to be the CEO of this place. I want to manage 10,000 employees, whatever it is. I noticed that there were some tribulations and turnover almost always at the top companies getting bought out these people coming these people going so i saw a little bit of potential inconsistency down the road in that and and i always wanted to build and hold something that that was my own so after kind of seeing my wife do well and and eventually seeing the comp plan and insurance and, and 
kind of realizing that everybody in the state, eventually the country could potentially be my customer, not just these couple key buyers at these, these whatever companies I was working for. Um, I just doubled down. I was like, this is something I can own uh, and, and not necessarily work for somebody else on my way up. And that, that's, that's what changed. I love that. Awesome. Um, and now, so did you go in it on your own or did you go in it with your wife as partners? She was already an agency owner. Okay. Uh, with just one office, um, small, small book of business. Um, and so what I ended up doing is I bought two, two guys that were retiring. I bought their books out. They retired, went off into the sunset, I took a loan out for the, for the, for the books. Um, so I bought myself a little bit of a job, if you will, some income. Um, right. and then I just took what I knew about sales and marketing. I sat with the best Allstate agent guys I could find for the first several months kind of learned and picked their brain and they were super gracious to, to teach me everything they know and yeah. have gone on to surpass their production. That's awesome, man. Like what, so I, I want to talk about the things you're doing today that are, that are leading to your success. Right. And so the first thing that everyone always wants to know is acquisition, right? Acquisition and then systems and processes and models throughout the whole life cycle. But let's start on the front end. Like what is your, what's worked so well for you when it comes to acquisition? Somebody who's doing 26 mil and reoccurring, like what, what's working so well for you? So new business acquisition and insurance is, it's muddy. There's so many different avenues on obtaining leads and customers because Everybody is a potential client. And Allstate is a conservative company. So we don't just insure anybody with a bunch of wrecks and, and a super old house that's about to fall on itself. Like they are conservative. Right. So my goal is to kind of become that data guy, to find the best lead sources, the ones that, that want to talk to you. Um, it's intent, right? That's the word we use. The, the higher the intent of the lead, the more likely they are to close to just spend time on the phone with you and get to the yes or the no. So that's, that's what I've really spent the last few years doing is, is trying out new lead vendors, um, spending all kinds of money on different sources. till eventually we found some that work, the lead vendors that work, the processes that work where we do get the highest intent. Yeah. And we're able to close at a greater percentage than some of our competitors. Now, do you, when you say lead vendors, do you buy leads or do you run ads like social ads or Google ads? Or I've done just all, I've done all of the above. Um, with insurance, uh, I've bought leads, Facebook, um, Google ads, all that stuff. Um, but I have found a couple lead vendors that they do that and mm -hmm. they can spread the cost amongst other uh, buyers like myself better. So yeah. it's me and a state farm guy and maybe a Geico guy or somebody's buying these leads and whoever wins wins, but at least the intent is much, much, much higher. And I'm okay with them competing against one or two other agencies instead of me doing it myself. So I, I've done it myself. I've got some decent results out of it, but the cost spend buying from a, from a source that's already done it, I've found to be better. Nice. Now what, what, um, so do you use multiples or do you use just one lead vendor or do you use multiples at a time? three data lead, internet lead vendors that I use right now. And then I send a ton of mail out as well. I still do it the old way. Um, I sent out like 75,000 pieces of snail mail this month. 
another 75, 80 going out next month and every month since. Um, so that still works because those people pick up the phone to call you. Yeah. I'm not disrupting their day calling them. And yeah. so they're ready to talk for 20, 30, 40 minutes uh, when they call us off those, off those mailers. And with the mailers, there's so many services out there. Will they, do you do use any of the services where they'll literally handwrite the letters for you? Yeah, I, that's how I started the mail. I hired a couple college kids around the corner. There's a college around the corner and they would, oh, nice. they would, they would hand address the envelopes. I would just print the normal stuff out, but they would hand address it. Uh, and yes, we got great response that way. So I eventually got to a point where I was doing 20,000 hand addressed mailers in house and I got a bit too much to manage. So I've since outsourced it. Gotcha. Well, now, when, so how many are you sending a month? On the mailers? Last month we did about 75,000 pieces. 75,000. Okay, cool. What, what are your analytics on that? Are you, are you able to track it on the, on the, do you have like a special number that you put out so you can track inbound calls from the mailers? We do. They call a separate lead line. Um, and the first week the mail hits, like the phones are off the hook. We get, right. a couple, we get about a dozen calls a day, sometimes a little bit more. We get some emails. So my guys, my sales guys are on fire the first part of the month when that mail goes out. Um, so out of 75,000 pieces, we quote approximately, I'd say about 500 customers, 500 quotes out of it. So it's not huge returns, but when you're closing 30% of them. Yeah. And you get 175 new customers out of it each month. Yeah. I mean, the math still works. Yeah, for sure. Like what's, what's your offer on the letters? Cause that's so, the thing, right? It's like, how do you, you know, just saying, Hey, like get insurance and yeah. call this number. It's like, not a, like, what, how are you getting people? This is my, little, my little secret, but I've taught it to all my best friends in insurance too. I read a book um, called the no BS guide to direct. Yeah. Dan market. Kennedy. Yeah, I've, I've listened to a couple of his books, but the No, no BS Guide to Direct Marketing kind of hammered it home for me because he talks about you're a mom and pop. I'm a mom and pop, right? So he goes, your marketing tactic has to be different than Geico, who's just like, hey, we're here when you need us. Just right. plastic your name, for example. I need yeah. people to take action. They get my letter to take action. So the first thing they got to do is imagine them standing over the trash can when they get their mail yeah if they know it's junk they're not even opening your letter so that's the first hurdle so my envelopes no return address um they look hand addressed even though they're actually printed so i would imagine it's at least getting opened more than it's not so i've, I've, right. I've gotten that. like digital you can't track opens <laughs> you can't no yeah. um and then secondly I've got two pieces of paper in there. One's just a full quote that all, the Allstate system generates based on just tax data. It's not always 100% accurate, but it's more of like the, the hook. It, it's a low enough price that it gets people to call. And nine times out of 10, it's right, but not always. But then the cover letter is where I tried to take that Dan, Dan Kennedy approach, and it's very direct. Uh, it's not just like, me, me, me. It's all about me. It's not that. It's all about them and their pain points. So it's 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 along the lines of like you're paying a thousand dollars too much this year on your home insurance. What could you do with that thousand dollars? And then call me now. Um, I have a, a separate mailer that I track for people who have uh, 
a, a first year mortgage renewal. So last year they bought their house. Yeah. So it's renewing for the first time just now. And it's a different message. It's like, if you don't know what's in your home insurance, cause you let your mortgage officer pick it, then you could be undercovered. You don't even know what your deductible is. And I'm like, just going at them in this mailer in hopes to get them to call me. Got it. Okay. You said, did you say that you do put a quote in there? Yeah. Yeah, it's the second page, um, and it's just it's it's generated by this average. Quoting, yeah, by this quoting software. Got it. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. Cool. And so, do you find like that? What percentage of that is your acquisition versus you know um, buying leads? It's fifty fifty. I get half half my new customers from mail. The other half from internet data. Yeah. And I like having multiple channels, like just in case one falls through or something doesn't work out or whatever. Um, okay, cool. So, all right. And in these leads, I'm just curious, are you buying like warm transfers or aged leads? Or I know you said you were competing, you mentioned competing. Well, not so much aged. I don't do aged very much, but I do know guys succeeding with aged. Um, it's, it's warm transfers. So I can buy age data, send it to a telemarketing company. And when that person's ready and saying, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take a quote, then they transfer it to my office. So I do that. That's part of what I do. And then actual high intent data, my sales guys call on and quote on. Um, I've talked to them a thousand times and they prefer to kind of run with the, that high intent data. You know, a lot of people go online to start shopping for insurance. They have no idea what they're looking at. They don't know what this means or that means. So they stop. Right. So we can buy that data and it's like 25 bucks a piece for one day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's cheap. Um, and so I give that data to my guys and they just, they call them, email them, text them. If there's text approved, send them PDFs. We mail them like whatever it takes, but it's like five or six touch points in the first week um, to get that number in front of them. Gotcha. So you do, you do like, um, any type of value-based stuff as well, or are you just texting, emailing to try to get them on the phone? Or are you also doing like some, you know, 180 from the side value-based emails or campaigns around, you know, the things that you're helping your clients with to get them on the phone? I would say our message is always value-based. Um, it's always what's in it for them. They don't care about yeah. me. Right. It's, it's always what's in it for them. And whenever we win deals, it's, it's by a large margin. Remember all states conservative. So the ones that fit inside our brand stay with us for years and years and years, most of the time. And, and they get really good rates. We beat some of the biggest insurance companies, especially the 1-800 places like the conservative clients that fit into all state. Love it. So that's the message always is like, I'm assuming like, if we haven't talked to them, it's like, chances are this quote is a thousand dollars less than you're paying now. And it's for more coverage or whatever's available in the cloud and that data, we try to differentiate and, and explain it to them. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. for you and call us back. I'm just curious because I know this is so important. And we speak with a lot of agency owners that, that work on this and build this out. Like, how do you go about differentiating yourself when price, when you're not less expensive, 
like how do you teach your sales team your agents to like or just your agency in general like how do you what's your usp what's your you know unique selling proposition proposition or hook or different i, I disagree with a lot of my counterparts on this but i have found that leading with price and selling on price in this industry is the top top component so if you're close on price then Allstate has features like accident forgiveness deductibles your deductibles shrink when you're good so we can reward you for being good um but prices is, is almost always the number one component. So for me, I focus on price and top funnel, get as many names in the top part of the funnel. And then we're better on price for half of them. Half of them don't even qualify. Then we just concentrate on the ones we're at, where we're as close to best at price. And, and it just, that is actually how I try to focus it. Now, when we do coach around it, and, and there are times where customers do pay more to join us. Um, yeah. The main reasons are those couple features that the company has. It's not so much me and my guys. I mean, they do a good job building rapport and, and trust and, and kind of explaining insurance to people in, in a sexy enough way for them to buy it. Um, but the difference is those couple features that Allstate has where your rates won't triple if you burn your house down, you know, if you're with anybody else, it's called um, accident forgiveness and claim rate guard. So if you do file a claim, you're in, everyone's heard of insurance rates going up after an accident. It's, it's yeah. a common thing. So we have a feature where you get a mulligan or you can get several mulligans and you can buy up these mulligans, if you will, up front. Um, and if something does happen and you total out two cars and one's a, one of them's a Range Rover. Like if you're with Geico or some other place, your rates are going way up. Usually I see it all the time when people shop here. Um, but with us, you get a mulligan. So that really could save you thousands over the course of the next few years. If something happens right now, yes, I'm asking you to pay 16 more dollars every month. Got it. Okay. So how did you build your team, right? You got 20 employees. Um, you know, I know you, you said you purchased two other books, did some of those come with you? Like, how did you go about building your team? Um, none of them came with them, man. Everything, everything's been new, if you will. Really? When you got a book, when you bought the book that you didn't get any? Well, yes. I got one service employee that lasted maybe a month. And the, book, <laughs> the books I bought were retiring dudes. Like they had already been on, on cruise control for a while. So they weren't exactly high producing agencies. Got it. But the book of business was steady. It was long clients, so I knew they weren't all about the flea, which was which was good. Um, but growing it, it boils down to to math, man. Every every time you hire somebody, if they produce at a certain level, then they pay for themselves, and then they and then with insurance, the beauty is those customers start to renew, and that's when I get paid. So I'm not worried about making a ton of money on the front end. Um, instead I give that to my sales guys, uh, and I buy leads and I help them with their pay, etc. cetera. Uh, but, but yeah, it, they're all new and it's math, man. If a, if a certain person makes enough calls, makes, does enough quotes, closes enough business. Yeah. The math works and you just keep piling it on. Yeah. Now do you, do you 
provide the leads for your agents or do they, do you expect them to do that on their own? I know you said you buy them. Do you, is there like a, a line that you have? Do you say, Hey, I'm going to give you X, Y, Z amount of leads every month. Like how do you typically go about that? Yeah, man. And that's, that's the top KPI um, measurement is, is, is leads the number of quotes they get every single day, the number of people they're talking to every single day. That's the best measurable tool we have. Uh, and so, yeah, that is basically my job is to make sure they get enough leads. So every single morning they wake up, they're talking to 10, 12 new people. The next day, 10, 12 new people. And before you know it, by the end of the week, they've got 100 new prospects and yeah. 100 from last week. And then they just got a huge funnel to work. Got it. Okay. So you do provide, like, they don't have to go get their own leads. They don't. That's 100% what my responsibility is. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So, as far as like um, growing your team, like, do you get to a point where, I mean, are you actually actively looking for more agents now or where do you draw the line and say, okay, it's time to add a new agent? You got to look at the comp structure. Um, every year, Allstate kind of changes the comp structure and what they, where they want us to focus our, our activity. And we're in high, high growth mode right now. Um, it's been a volatile. So, so in essence, I am growing. I've, I've got three new hires this year already. Um, one other guy training as we speak. So that's my fourth hire this year. Uh, so yes, as long as the numbers make sense, I just keep, just keep growing. I love that. Okay. Um, so walk me through how you keep your team motivated and performing at a high level. Cause that's the, and, and you came from this background, right. Of being in a sales leadership, being in a sales management role. And, you know, a lot of the agency owners or business owners or sales leading uh, sales leaders listening right now, that's, that's a thing, right. Is keeping your team motivated, keeping them driven, keeping them performing at a high level, increasing their performance over time. Like what has been your process to do that? to keep them going, to keep them motivated, to keep them taking the necessary actions, following up, doing the things they're supposed to be doing. I, I think this is one of my weaknesses, but it, it is one of the differentiators of like, my guys have been with me almost every last one of them for years now. Um, and so the motivation part, like this is where I still need improvement, but for me, when I was a sales guy, I yeah. I was always a top performer and I just hated micromanagement. Tell me what to do, yeah. tell me how to do it, and let me blaze my own path and figure it out. I'll come with you, come to you with questions. Um, and so those are the type of people I try to hire. Cause mm -hmm. I don't want to actively manage personalities all day long, call volume all day long. I want you to this is your life. Like if you're, if you want to make the most of it, I'm giving you an opportunity. Here's how you do it. So I always, I, that's who I try to hire is, is people that they don't need me on the phone every five minutes managing them. Right. Um, want that. In the very beginning, I do spend a lot of time with them in the beginning, uh, teaching them how to quote effectively, how to manage a funnel effectively, what leads are good, what leads are bad, and like where to focus their time and how they need to sound on the phone. And so I'm wide open with them in the very beginning. They also sit with my top sales guys for a week in the beginning. And then I just throw them to the wolves. That's the best way to learn. 
uh, in mm-hmm. my experience. Um, so the ones that the, the cream that rises to the top stay and they like it because they can kick their feet up on the desk. And if they want to work at nine o'clock instead of nine, a, 9 p.m. instead of 9 a.m., I don't care. Do it. It's sales. If you're producing, whatever works, works, and I'm out of your way. And my, my job is just to give you as much data, as many leads as possible for, for you to be satisfied with your income. Love that. Do you feel like overall there's a lot of room for, for I don't know if the word would be improvement, but for increase in conversion rates? So for example, like you're buying or bringing in XYZ amount of leads, here's your overall conversion rate or your per agent conversion rate. Do you feel like there's, even with some of the guys that are doing well or girls that are doing well, do you feel like there's still improvement on a consistent basis for, for uh, to improve the conversion rate? 100% yes. 100% yes. Um, the conversion rate, like my the difference between my top sales guys and gals and my bottom couple are 3x. Like the bottom ones still pay for themselves. Uh, otherwise they wouldn't be here. Right. But the top ones do three and sometimes four times the production my bottom tier does. So yes, there's a ton of room for improvement, um, down here. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not the only one that (laughs) has that same scenario. So how do you, how have you been going about trying to increase that, that production, that performance of the, of the lower tier? Like you so, said, they're already paying for themselves. So it's like, you know, yeah. you're, you're given that you, it sounds to me like they have kind of trainings in place and stuff like that. What, what are some things that you've done to try to really increase their performance? Coaching, you know, hopping on calls with them, listening to calls with them. Um, but that That's kind of the best way. Just I want to learn what they like about it, what they hate about it, and just, just make sure that I give them what makes them happy. Um, so that way they are happy and just work a little bit harder. Um, but I'm in the middle of kind of trying to revamp, not, not, not revamp, but just take it to the next level, right? I'm at 20 staff right now. Um, I want, I've, I pretty much manage the whole operation. I've got one or two kind of helpers, if you will, but it's not yeah. formal. So that's what I'm building as we speak, um, is, is, Let's figure out because the top this is I listened to the top few agents and what was different about their setup and why they were doubling production versus mine is they went ahead and broke it off into teams and they have sales managers and and directors, if you will, and just and now there's smaller channels of 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 management. um, Yeah, they can hold hands a little bit better, whatever the term is. Um, but that's what I'm trying to build right now. So I've identified three of my sales leaders that I'm going to make team managers, if you will, they're going to report, okay. to me, but I'm going to, I'm going to, and so I haven't, I haven't fully figured it out yet. This is only my, my second week really trying to figure it out and talking to them, but yeah, that's going to, that's the next step. Cause I do know that there, there needs to be improvement there. Um, and I think just having a smaller team of direct reports yeah. is going to be the difference. So the, the 20 employees that you have, are they, they're all agents and they all currently right now, they all report to you. Yeah, pretty much. 
Gotcha. Okay. So you're, you're, you're by yourself managing your entire sales team. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And so you're, you're, you know, obviously what, from your corporate background and what you're seeing other people do, they're putting leadership in place, breaking their agents into teams. How many agents are you looking at per, I guess if you're breaking into three teams, that'd be what, like six to seven agents per leader. Yeah. 15 of those 20 are salespeople. So I'm looking five. Yeah. That's about right. Between four and eight per team is what um, the one, the one agent that I truly admire and, and kind of listening to He's got, he's got between four and eight on each team. Yeah. And his, his process seems to be working. So I'm going to try that first. Got it. Yeah. No, we always suggest no more than, than 10. Um, And that's if you have like a really good sales leadership system in place, right? You have consistent and appropriate KPI tracking, coaching and accountability for each individual rep. Um, because that, if you, if you're doing that properly, managing more than 10 becomes like almost impossible to do it correctly. <clears throat> so, I mean, eight is a good number too, if that's, that's what you can do. So what, so as far as like putting this leadership in place, are they going to be, uh, a, you know, agents that you're promoting or are you bringing in full-time managers? I'm not, it's, it's from within. Okay. And I'm not opposed to either or, Yeah, but these are guys that have been with me for five and six years. They're the top sales guys. And this is where I struggle a little bit. Um, they're some of my top sales guys. Um, and I definitely don't want them to decrease production because they enjoy it. Um, but I also want them to kind of just share their knowledge and their, and what's working for them on a smaller level, uh, with their team. Uh, and so I don't know if that's going to be right, but there are, the guys are excited about it. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. So you're, you're putting them more into like a team lead role where they're actually a player coach. You still want them playing and selling. That's yeah. Like this one other, the one other agent, he, his, his team manager does not sell. He manages five people day in and day out, pulling calls, KPIs, you name it. Um, and they don't sell and his five or six salespeople underneath all sell. I don't personally, I'm not convinced that that's the right way to do it one. And I don't know if I have enough staff to do it that way yet, but uh, again, still learning there. I'm so I'm not convinced. (laughs) Well, let me ask you a question. When you were a sales director, were you also selling or were you, just leading. Yeah, I was. And that's probably where it comes from. Got it. When okay. I, I was, I was the top sales guy still. And every week we'd meet with, with my reps and then we'd go a separate ways and, and call people and talk to people. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I really, I, I definitely feel you on the, on the notion of like micromanaging because nobody wants to be micromanaged. And I think that you know, a, a lot of managers and sales managers out there um, do a really good job of micromanaging, unfortunately. And so, you know, one of the things that we share and talk a lot about is the difference between micromanaging and leading. And micromanaging is like, you know, 
pulling KPIs, talking about KPIs, uh, drilling on the things that you're doing with no actual impact for the agent or the sales rep themselves versus like, here's the reason why we're pulling this data. Here's the reason why we're doing call reviews and the coaching and accountability that goes with it so that when they do have that interaction with the agent, there's a huge positive next step for them and they feel good about it and they're excited about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. Versus, versus a, a lot of managers that are like, you know, send me your calls and talking about their KPI, but there's no next step. There's no like what we call next play for them. And so it's just this annoying thing that's in the way, so to say. Does that make sense? I totally, I totally get what you're saying. So I, I love where you're at, man. And it sounds to me like it's like, okay, in or, you know, in order to get to the next level, it's about leadership, right? You already have proven sales processes. You already have marketing and acquisition in place. You know, it's, it's about building leadership to, to drive revenue, to improve performance, consistency. You know, when it, when it does come to your agents, though, I'm just curious, like, what do you feel like is your biggest challenge with when managing the agents? I think it's the vision is, is probably the most challenging, right? I'd like to think the best sales guys have high aspirations for themselves. And I know that they're not going to be here forever and I'm okay with that. I want to, I want to get the most out of them as while they're here and wish yeah. them the best and I will support them in anything they do. So that. I don't know how they feel per se coming to work for Corey. It's a small company, a local agency, if you will, right? We try to be big and bad, but at the end of the day, we're a 20 person company. Like how, how can they feel important enough to want to do it in day in and day out and have a vision to do it again next year and grow? Um, considering in the grand scheme of things, it is a small business. Um, so that that I have a hard time wrapping my head around is like, like why are these guys still with me six years later, seven years later? Yes, their pay is improving, but really they're still doing the same job. Um, and that that's my biggest weakness. Like, well, have you asked them? Yeah, I have. I, I, at least the top guys I've asked. That's why that's why they've kind of been promoted or working on being promoted. But yeah. it still it still doesn't feel like it's enough. Um, and that's my struggle. What's your worry there? Like, is it, is it more of a, just an internal thing for you? Like, because, you know, you, in your mind, you're like, oh, because we're small, like I'm worried that you might lose them. Or you're worried that like, what, what is it an internal thing? Like, even if they're saying like, Hey, I really like it here. Like, I love my job. I love working here. I love sales. Like, what's the, is it just you? Do you feel, or is it possibly? It's, it's definitely partly me. Um, just cause I, if I was in their shoes, yeah, and I felt a little stagnant, or I was working in, a, in the same thing, and not growing. It's just—it's definitely my personality. Like, uh oh, I think I lost you there. I lost you there, Corey. Can you hear me? Yeah, the internet in my office just went yeah. out. It said, it said, if I feel where I got cut off is I feel like if I'm not growing and then I got cut. 
So, yeah. Oh. And so are they like me or not everyone's like me? Maybe they are happy just making 120 grand a year or whatever it is as a top sales guy and not hearing from anybody and not getting more responsibility. And they're just happy with that. Um, and that's, that's where we differ. That's where I'm not sure. Like I want everybody to do better than me if I can. And yeah. But let me ask you a question. Cause I, I love, I love where you're coming with this and, and this goes to show of like how much you care about your team, which is so important in leadership. You know, what do you think you can put in place at this point that would ensure you that your team is growing and that they feel like they're growing and getting better as well? Hmm. I'm busy. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. What, what can I put in place? I don't know the exact answer. Okay. Well, do, do you feel like, are you into sports at all? Big time. Yeah. Okay, cool. So in sports, is, would you agree that sports is very similar to sales and that it's very competitive? Yeah. You have to practice, you have to drive, you have to do all these things. The same thing in sports that you do have to do in sales, right? Obviously one's just physical. In sports, you know, it's so important that every single week we find ways to improve our craft, to improve our game, right? And we yeah. do that through KPI. In sales, we can do it through KPIs. In sports, we do it through stats, right? We're able to see, are we improving? The second layer to that is if we're tracking the right KPIs in sales and we have the right stats in sports, we're able to find ways to coach to those, right? What are the things based on these KPIs that we can improve upon? And then we go out and we perform. In sales, we make calls, we do, you know, in-home visit, whatever. In, in sales, we go onto the field, or excuse me, in sports, we go onto the field. And then after the game, we do film review, right? We watch the game film. What did we do well? What didn't we do well? Yeah. We have accountability to it. In sales, we have the same as well. And so the leaders that have really good KPI tracking in place and not just the, what a lot of managers or leaders do, which they track like, um, you know, quote, just quotes to close or call quote to close, like very basic. And I'm not saying you are, but I'm just very basic result-based KPIs. It's very hard to make decisions. So that's one. And then the second thing is then using those KPIs to be able to determine what is going to be the best next play for you to improve as a person, a sales agent, you know, what have you. What is that next play for you? And then the third is actual accountability to implementation of that play. So let's say you're having trouble with um, a certain objection that's coming up, right? Every stimulus has a response. If you're getting a, an objection, it's because of a stimulus that a question that was asked or not asked that led to this response. And so in sports, it's an every week thing. You, you meet with your coach every single week to review your KPIs, to review um, your game film, to come up with a next play to improve, to have accountability to that play. And in somehow in business, <laughs> it didn't get translated, right? We, we don't do these things in business. We, we just expect people to be great performers, but 
you, you look at Tom Brady, you know, no matter how great of a week he had or not great of a week he had, he met with Bill Belichick to review the game film and to find his next, the game plan for the next week. We call it the next play, right? And so the sales leaders, the agency owners that are always finding ways based on data, the KPIs, to help them come up with the next play to grow and improve, not only as salespeople, but as, as leaders, as people, um, have great retention and consistent performance. They don't have complacency or challenges with following up, things along those lines. Does that make sense? You nailed it. 1000% it makes sense. And, and I know that's where I need to improve. Yeah. So let's talk about your, your, and I love that, man. I love that you're like, have had so much success and you're like, I I want to get better. And I think that's why you're, you've had the success that you've had. So what do you feel like is your best next play from here? Like, what do you feel like, okay, I want to put in, I got leadership that I'm putting in place. I want to put in a system for coaching and accountability. What do you feel like is the best first step for you? I have, I've got it scheduled, but those, those managers that are being promoted, we're meeting on Friday uh, to really hammer out what role they're going to, they're going to play the amount of coaching they're going to do. Um, and who's going to, who's going to coach. Cause I got one that may be better than another. So they're going to, so I started a list of what I think it'll be like. And so we're going to review this list, but yeah, that's that to me, the next step is to, kind of hammer out what each role is going to be yeah what what kind of kpis they're going to review and how often and how they want to coach and what compared to what i'm doing and kind of let them run their own teams uh but that that's where we're at next so any i'm sure it'll change you know the in the first week <laughs> and then the next which is what i want to see yeah And if I could add one thing to that, um, expectations, you know, what, what are the expectations that you have from me as a leader and what are my expectations for you as an agent working with me? Right. So you hit it like roles. What's the role? What are the expectations? Yep. And so, you know, you might want to take your time on this and not rush into it, but when you meet with your, your leaders, you know, it's, it's, let's take our time and really write out what are we going to do as coaches? What exactly is that system going to look like so that the agents know? Cause like one thing that we've seen happen is you put leaders in place and it doesn't, there's no process in place to start. And so there's a lot of bad habits created. And then you try to come back and add in, like a lot of the, the coaching and accountability and it's like, what, what is that? <laughs> so if you can, if you can hit that on the front end as they're getting started with those expectations, we're going to be meeting every week. You know, it's going to be about you. It's about you have growing, right. And improving every week. Is that something you're okay with? Because, you know, if, if you don't want, you know, and, and I get it. You have top performers and, and that's great, but the top performers in, in everything that's competitive, that requires growth, want support. They want that. If you don't, then it's like, do you really even want them on your team? <laughs> Probably yeah. not, right? Yeah. So, that's good. 
All right, cool. So your so your next play from here is is really defining for your leadership team what is the role and what are the expectations for both for really the three layers. What's your expectations of the leaders and what's their expectations of you as their and then their team. Exactly. And then expectations down the line. And then from there, you could talk about here, we're going to implement, you know, coaching, we're going to implement accountability, support, all those different things. But, you know, um, that, that's, that would be the first start, roles and expectation. Yeah. You feel like that's a good, good play for, for the show? For sure. For sure. Love that, man. Awesome. Cool. Well, listen, it's been a, an absolute pleasure to have you on. You know, if, if someone's listening right now and they're, and they're like, hey, I'd love to connect with Corey either for service or they want to be a part of your team, um, What's the best way to connect with you? Probably just through Facebook. Look me up. I'm the only one with my name. It's just Rickman, that. by the way, too. Yeah, Rickman. <laughs> but I'll go by Rickman if that's how you want it. <laughs> no, I screwed just, it up the first time, too. You and everybody else. But yeah, I'd say Facebook's the easiest way. I'm on there. Um, and then just call or email my office if you want to quote, right? Love it. Awesome. And if you're, you know, if you're in the process of giving away cars, um, a Lambo SVG Roadster would be the one to hit Corey with. So. <laughs> it's only a million bucks for the one I want. Oh, perfect. Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, three years? When are we getting that? Oh, gosh. If I, I mean, realistically, three years is totally doable because this is not my only business, by the way, Rich. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm also a real estate licensed and uh, I'm a real estate investor and I've got 12, 12 rental properties right now, cash flowing, growing for me. I'm trying to add one every other month and, and, and find some fix and flips too. So if we, if all goes well, and that's part of the reason why I'm trying to, 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 uh, to build a management team so I can focus a little bit there as well. Um, so yeah, man, three years is totally doable. Love that. Okay, cool. All right, perfect. So I'm gonna hold you accountable to that. Are we good? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, awesome. Corey, man. Hey, it was a pleasure to meet you and uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Okay, man. Nice having nice talking to you. Man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Next Play Podcast. If you liked the show, make sure to leave us a review. For more resources, visit relentlessuniversity.com or download the free Relentless University app. And if you're interested in having me speak at your next event, visit RelentlessRitchie.com. Until next time.